Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. You just can't get around it, people. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. We really do focus on author, just like we do on this show, about the writing life, the challenges of being a writer. When I shoot my interviews with those authors, I want to talk about their fears, their troubles, their unique lives, and that's the sort of thing I like to write about on that magazine, my daily, my thrice-weekly column, my blog, and I try to encourage my authors to write about the same way. What does it feel like to write, to live as a writer, to be a person, to keep your sanity as a writer? That's what we deal with on Author. You can check it out at authormagazine.org, and we're funded by the fabulous Pacific Northwest Writers Association. These people have been supporting writers from pen to publication. Since 1955, yes, they have. It's a great organization. They put on a great conference every year. People are signing up for it already. It's September 2019 will be our next one. Lots of great agents and editors, lots of great classes. I'll be teaching some stuff there. God knows what, but something. And, uh, yeah, so you're going to want to check it out. If you, if you live in the Northwest, or even if you don't, you know, I had someone come from Minnesota. Minnesota they came because they wanted to go to this conference. They said, oh, I want to take a class from you. So I said, okay. So they came, yes, from Minnesota. People come from all over the world for it. It's true. But if you live in the Northwest, it's right in your backyard. You might as well go. Pacific Northwest Writers Conference, pnwa.org. That's where they are. Yes, indeed. Well, not much to report on my end. So listen, let's just get right to Iris Gravel. Speaking of PNWA, she's someone, well, I'll get to that in a moment. She uh, her starting her started her writing part of her life when she published profiles of per- and personal essays they were published in national and regional journals and magazines. And then her first book, Hands at Work, Portraits and Profiles of People Who Work With Their Hands, received numerous accolades, including a Nautilus Book Gold Award, uh, Independent Publishers Award, and the Indie Next Generation book. And then she published Bounty, which combined photographs and profiles and recipes to present sort of an intimate behind-the-scenes view of what it takes to bring food from Earth to Table on Lopez Island. A very cool place, by the way, if you're ever in the Northwest. But her latest she went something a little different. Memoir. Yes, Hiking Naked, A Quaker Woman's Search for Balance is a personal narrative of what she learned in the remote mountain village of Stahaken, Stahaken, Stahaken Washington. And it's about work, community, uh, and leadings of the spirit. And speaking of the PNWA, Hiking Naked was a finalist for the prestigious Pacific Northwest Writers Association Nancy Pearl Contest. And, oh, and get this. In 2018, Iris was even named the first writer-in-resident with the Washington State Ferries. I've got to find out about that. Iris, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bill. Thanks for that great introduction and so enthusiastic. Ah, uh, If I've got nothing, I've got enthusiasm. That's the one thing I for <laughs> sure can bring to the table every day. So, Iris, uh, you know, hiking naked. Let me just say, first of all, congratulations on the book. It's been out about a year. Very right. readable. Really a a surprisingly fun book. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I know it doesn't sound complimentary, but it just bounces along at a nice pace. So well done, I got to say. Thank um, you. It's a very readable. I'm telling my audience, check it out, Hiking Naked. Um, but this is your first memoir, and it actually talks about your, your movement away from 
or dealing with being a, a nurse early in your life. So your first part of your professional life, you're a nurse. And right. challenging, challenging, challenging. And writing came later. So talk to me about that transition from from where you started to growing as someone who discovered she liked to write. Or maybe you always liked to write. I don't know. It doesn't really come up so much in the book. Right. Um, I did like to write, but um, in in high school, I, I really got a clear uh, calling, I felt, even though I didn't use that language at the time, um, yeah. to nursing. And um, once once that came to me, um, I was quite single-minded, and nursing uh, is one of those professions that certainly can demand everything of you. Um, and so I, and I was passionate about it. Um, I really yeah. did um, treasure the opportunity to be of help to people, um, and and the scientist in me was always fascinated with how the human body works. Um, right. And you know the hands-on caregiving, all of it really appealed to me, um, and and was my focus along with family and a few other things. But um, I I didn't um, really feel that I had the time, energy, space to pursue any kind of creative work and. After right. about twenty, after about twenty years, um, being very involved in nursing, primarily public health nursing, um, that lack of uh, using my creative energy really took its toll and and surfaced for me that I've got to do something different. Right. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting thing. I have a client who is getting her PhD in psychology. And she's a very ambitious young woman, and she's a beautiful writer. And and she had come to me to help me uh, help her write her memoir, and she was getting halfway mm. through it. And she's like, "I want to get this PhD." And I said, "Well, that's probably what you're going to be doing for now." But I told her, and I and I and she's come back recently. I said, "Look, you're a writer, and once you're once you're bit by that bug, you really I don't think you can be happy and not write. If that's if if you can connect to the to life through writing." You kind of have to do it, I think. I don't think you get right. to just drop it. I, at least I've never met anybody who can. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. and she had that to come back to That was the advice you gave her. Well, I just, I saw how connected she was when she did it. And I just thought, I don't know how you, and she's come back. She just couldn't, she was driving her crazy. So even though you hadn't, even though you had had an, I know you started out thinking you'd major in English when you were young, but right. you weren't, you weren't writing in your journal. You really, your identity, your focus was family and, and nursing but the, somewhere right. in you, the writer, the nascent writer, <laughs> she was bubbling away a little bit. What did that feel right. like? How did you know it needed creativity and not exercise or yoga? Or mm-hmm. what? How did you know it was creativity? Hmm, that's a good question. <clears throat> um, I'm not sure that I initially knew that uh, when I proposed to my family that we leave Bellingham, Washington, and uh, live in Stahican, Washington, um, for at least a year, and it ended up being two years, I just knew that I had to do something different, and I had to step back from my work as a nurse to right. really figure out what what it was that wasn't being fulfilled, and more seriously for me, uh, to try to understand why something I had felt so committed to now 
it felt fairly suddenly I I didn't feel that way right. and um, so and and I did I was aware that there were other kinds of creative pursuits I had maybe dabbled in or yearned to do um, I did some weaving at one point and um, played music um, and always I was. Uh, in my work in public health, I did a lot of writing, but it was more of a public health education focus. It wasn't right. creative writing, right. but I really enjoyed that. And I thought, well, gosh, you know, maybe if I had more time to do that and would give myself permission to do it, you know, maybe that would be my creative outlet. Um, so, you know, a mere two years later, I <laughs> was much more clear that. I had to have some kind of balance in my life between uh, this work as a nurse and and creative work. And by that time, I was feeling pretty clear that writing was that outlet for me. Yeah. And, of course, you know, one of the interesting things about being a nurse or a therapist or I'm a writing coach. I'm kind of like a life coach for writers, so a lot of it's kind of therapeutic mm. what I do with writers, um, mm-hmm. is there is that immediate gratification of one-on-one connection with another human. I know nursing, it's more physical, but obviously there's an emotional and psychological aspect to it, I'm sure. And right. there's a kind of immediate feedback and a really a feeling of connection to life through focusing on that person that I know I get when I'm um, coaching people or teaching or giving workshops and such. Um, and it's, there's something about having someone else to focus on to, to have that connection. So you where you're focusing on their challenges and their lives or like doing these interviews, focusing on the author. But with writing, uh, of course, the great challenge is you, the focus is entirely inward. There is nothing right. to bounce off of. There is no trail to hike. There is, it's all mm-hmm. non-physical. And mm-hmm. a lot of writers are daunted by the fact that their attention has to be entirely internal. Did you, right. do you ever, did you ever go through that initially of finding inspiration entirely within, or was that not, of course you started with profiles and well, personal essays, so that's still the same thing. How was that for you right. dealing with the blank page? Right. Well, the blank page always uh, terrifies me. Um, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, and I, the writing that I first started doing, or when I first started getting more serious about writing, I was doing a lot of uh, personal writing, um, and and just working with this material of this two-year sabbatical that our family had, um, yeah. and trying to trying to make sense of it. For me, writing is how I figure out what it is I think or what I know, and right. um, that. That two years living in Stahican was, as I describe in the book, I mean, it was an extraordinary step out of yeah. time. Yeah, no, and wait, 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 wait. We got to, you, I can't do it. We, the people listening have got to know, if they haven't read the book, what Stahican is, because there aren't many places like it in America true. right now, probably. So you're set right. the scene just a little bit, because Washington's sure. a big state, but we're mostly uh, civilized. But Stahican is right on the edge of that, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Well, Stahican is a, a village of um, 80 to 90 year-round residents at the end of Lake Chelan, which is a 55-mile-long lake in pretty much smack dab in the middle, maybe north-central yeah. north, north central, uh, Washington. Um, and 
the village of Stahican is surrounded by uh, the North Cascade. So from that valley floor, um, you know, the the mountains go up uh, thousands right. of feet. And um, their roads never made their way to Stahican. Uh, you can only get you can only drive on a road um, halfway up the lake, 25 miles, and from there you either take a boat or you hike. Um, some people will take a float plane, but right. they usually took a, there is a commercial uh, passenger-only ferry. Um, and um, when you get to Stahican, there are no phones, no television. Uh, there's a little store at the boat landing that we used to call the inconvenience store. <laughs> <laughs> had a good supply of beer and chips and you know they could make some burgers and uh but it wasn't a place you could do your your household grocery shopping right right um and there's a one room school there kindergarten through eighth grade one room school um and um you know that's there is so a fantastic question, bakery <laughs> so the question would be why in two thousand whatever <laughs> Would anybody? Oh, this was actually was it in the '90s? I'm trying to remember when you were actually yeah, there. Yeah, it was, was uh, 1994. Was when we right. first uh, moved there. Yes. Right. I don't know what it's. Is it, Although, has it changed much since then? Well, I was just going to say it's really not all that much different. There's still yeah, no telephone service, but oh uh, now people, if they have a satellite dish, they can do the internet. Oh, so you know that's God. a big difference. But, but why? The population why, is still the same. Why? Why? <laughs> Would anybody go there? <laughs> Why would anybody <laughs> live there? I, I mean, I know the answer. It's, I know everybody does things for different reasons, but it just seems so immensely inconvenient. But I'm a city boy. I am a city dweller, so I'm speaking, you know, tipping my hand. Right. But so what drew everybody there? Just the, the remoteness of it, the quietness of it, the place out of timeness of it? Well, I think all of that. It is an extraordinarily beautiful, majestic place. And um, um, still a mystery to me is why I have felt so drawn to mountains. Um, I was yeah. born and raised in the Midwest, but when I first encountered mountains, um, there was it just really touched me in some way. I, I'm not sure I believe in reincarnation, but if there is such a thing, I had to have lived in the mountains in another life. Right. That's the only way right. I can explain why I'm drawn <laughs> that's to that. Strong. That's strong. <laughs> yeah, and, and wow. here you are, right in the midst of these mountains um, yeah. and the lake and the, the rivers. I mean, it's, it's just this um, natural, um, both beauty and power that um, I've never experienced quite the same. I know there are other places that are like right. that, but, but for, in my experience, you know, to just right. be right in that um, and and the quiet, for sure. Um, and another draw for us uh, to go to Stahican was we had vacationed there over 10 years. We would go back year after right. year. So you knew And we it. got to know the community. We knew the place. Um, and... <laughs> Probably biggest for me at the time was there were no nursing jobs there, so <laughs> I, no threat of, of uh, exactly of working right. <laughs> yeah, right. and and nobody with expectations or visions of me as a nurse or the nurse, right. Uh, right. although they found out and used my services. But, Once they find you know, out, I yeah. know 
My yeah. niece. But there my was niece. no danger of me being um, uh, seduced into going back right. to that work before I had really done that work. I needed to do internal work of sorting out: is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. Well, it's very important, and you talk about it's a it's a Quaker woman. You describe yourself. To, why did you choose to call you to, in the subtitle? refer to yourself as a Quaker woman as opposed to just a woman's <laughs> search for balance. But right. no, we choose these things for a reason. Why did you decide exactly. to include that? Yeah. Um, well, the, the title of Hiking Naked, it, you know, has certainly gotten a lot of attention. Yes, it has. I, actually, wait, you know what it is? I remember when you were a finalist, I was at the conference and that got a big laugh when that was announced, yes. as I recall. Right. Yeah. It's, right, well, it's a right. great title. It's a great title. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I also felt it needed a subtitle to at least give yeah, a hint yeah. that it was mostly metaphorical. And I say mostly. Right. There is some naked hiking, as you know, there from is. having yeah, read yeah. the book. Yeah. But, um, but I wanted people to understand that, you know, this, this was a metaphor for a spiritual journey as well. Um, and so uh, that seemed to be a shorthand way to do that. You only right. get so many oh. words in a subtitle. Yes. <laughs> no, that's true. That was clever. Now here's a question for you, Iris. And I've been asking this, I've given a couple classes recently called writing as a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I'm going to be teaching it actually at the conference now that I think about it, but oh, I've started off those classes with this question, which is you say it's a spiritual journey. Now, if you were to meet someone and say, yeah, hiking naked, it's sort of my spiritual journey. Uh, as a, you know, at this time I had, you know, 20 years ago, and they said, and someone said, what do you mean spiritual journey? Now, mm-hmm. what do you mean? How would you define that? Because that's a term I often have trouble. I have my definitions for it, but what do you mean by that? Right. Yeah, that is a tough one um, because I know it conjures all kinds of things for yes. people, and yeah. many of those might not be anywhere near what it is for me. That's um, right. But for me, it that time was, I mean, I, you know, I'm still on a spiritual journey, but it was a very intense time for me of really asking some of those big questions about what am I here to do and, right. um, and what I'm doing is it, what I'm doing is it good enough? And um, for me, uh, work is not a separate thing from my faith or my. Um, my beliefs, you know, it's all right. part of the same cloth, and um, so I couldn't write about this life-changing time without it, without also addressing what some of my beliefs were and what what those big questions were that were coming up right. for me. Which, to me, that's that's the spiritual part. It's these big questions we all carry, whatever we yeah. call them. We all yeah. have those big questions about what am I here for and what's the meaning? <laughs> yeah. And it's an inward journey. I mean, it, it's a for cliche, sure. but that's what it is a journey in that you feel like you're traveling, but it's got right. nothing to do with the physical world. Even though you might be hiking, the mm-hmm. journey is within. And, exactly. uh, and that has, but it's, it's a hard thing to define. It is a hard thing to define. I got to say, I never did like the word spiritual, although I'm really like a spiritual teacher. If someone asked me what I did, I'd say that, but I still don't like the word, mm. I have to admit. Yeah. I don't like it. I wish I could find another, but I don't have one right now. Uh, all right, so talk to me about balance. So search for balance. What was, be, what was being unbalanced like? If you had to search for balance, it meant you were unbalanced. What was that like? Mm-hmm. 
it was that single-minded focus. Um, I don't know, single-minded is probably too strong because, as I said, yeah. you know, I had kids and a yeah. husband and, you know, other interests and concerns in life. But um, it was a focus that excluded um, being able to to just stop and take a look around me and and really be present for what was around me and um you know always being concerned about what's what's the next thing uh, right just not feeling that i had that it, the scales were just tipped too far to that side of my work yeah um and and realizing that that wasn't healthy for me or my relationships um, and for my spirit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it strikes me, I, I think about this because I'm a little younger than you, but I'm still past the midpoint of my life. And it, when you're a younger person, there's so much effort put into, can you raise a family if you want to do that? And a lot of people do. And can you just sort of make it in the world, whatever that means? Like, so you mm-hmm. take on the job of nurse. That's a whole thing. Like, you have to learn how to be a nurse. What kind of a nurse do you want to be? There's all these challenges. And there's so much external focus in terms of, can I raise a family? Can I have a house? Can we support the house? Can we sort of just survive in the world as an adult? And you can spend right. a good 20 years just trying to figure that out. All the while, right. all those questions that you mentioned are still there kind of pulsing away. And then you reach right. a point where you say, okay, I know how to live on this planet. So what? <laughs> now, <laughs> why am I actually here? Because it's just so right. much energy is spent just trying to, like, figure stuff out, you know, yeah, in yeah. your 20s and 30s and maybe you're right. into your 40s. Yeah. And I had thought, I mean, through my 20s and 30s, I felt like, well, I know why I'm here. Right. Um, I mean, I, right. I didn't really have those doubts. And in fact, I felt really grateful that I was able to make a living at the work that I felt like, well, this is why I'm here. Right. And then I, I didn't feel that way. And, and so it was, you know, it was a, a crisis for me to uh, recognize that, wow, this isn't feeling like what I'm supposed yeah. to be doing. And, well, well, then who the heck am I? See, um, that's – and how old were you when that happened? I was in my early 40s. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, pretty cliched, classic. <laughs> no, but, you know, Mid-life. it's such a big deal. I, my, I went through something similar. It wasn't as intense, but I had was certain I was going to be a fiction writer until mm-hmm. I was in my early 40s or mid-40s. And then uh-huh. I realized quite kind of agonizingly that that was just not the direction I was going to go. And it was so yeah. hard for me because I had really, though I didn't have any success as a fiction writer, I committed, I had tons of near success and I'd committed all this time and just sort of identity into it. And it was hard to let yeah. go of, I got to say. Because I, you know, yeah. I'd spent my most of my adult life calling myself that or thinking yeah. of myself that way. It's a big deal. Ag- agonizing is a good word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you said it was agonizing for you, and yeah, that is a really good word for what it feels like because it's it is that sort of losing your bearings and um, and for me a big part of my identity. Yeah, you see, it's like you don't realize how much you, you, you kind of lean on that concept, like a, for you, for right. a nurse, to understand who you are. Yeah, But it's, right. of course, not who you are, you know. Right, I mean, right. And so, all right, so so you had written personal essays, but Hike Naked's a memoir, 
and I, this is, I teach memoir. I love it. I believe in it. Um, what did you find most challenging in telling this story? Oh, boy. Um, Well, for starters, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the writing I had done up until then was like public health education or more journalistic-type writing. And I had been so focused on nursing and science, I had taken very few uh, liberal arts kinds of courses and um, and no writing courses. And even right. though I had read a lot, I, I did not understand at all um, the structure of a narrative. Right. Um, an, enough. So I, you know, early on, my writing was learning about the fact that oh, I'm a character in this story, That's and right. there needs to be yeah. scenes, and the setting yeah. is really important to describe, and all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a big learning curve for me, um, and and it meant writing in a very different way from what I, I mean, I people had said to me in the past, oh, you write really well, and then I realized, oh, I'm not really doing creative nonfiction writing. That's not what right. I've been doing. I've got it's to learn different. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's different. So there was there was that, um, but. Um, you know, I think in memoir, the the biggest difficulty is really going deep and examining what these events in this story mean. Right. <laughs> what they meant for me and and my family, and um, you know what what I had to learn from all of that, and then to somehow put that into words in a way that's of interest to. <laughs> Somebody to, to somebody who will never meet you, who will never right. know you. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The first time I wrote a story about myself, I had written a lot of fiction, but I, I decided to write a story based on something that happened to me. And that was the first daunting question because I was used to telling people I knew stories, people I'd met mm-hmm. stories about myself, but that creates a different dynamic. And it was the first right. time I had to say to myself, why would someone who doesn't know you, doesn't care about you, doesn't love you, why would they care about this story? And it changed my relationship exactly. too to the stories. And it's a great question to ask if you're willing yep. to find the answer. Well, right. and so you, but so you had to learn. So basically the biggest challenge was just learning how to write, which you did. You clearly did, Iris. It's a <laughs> good you. book. It's a good, it's a really fun book to read. And it's, and it's, uh, you know, and there's a key, you have a nice pace to it. It's not always easy to do with the memoir. You can get a little bogged down. You did not. Right. So congratulations. Uh, well Thanks. done. Well done. Thank you. Um, Thanks. I had a lot of good teachers along the way, including people you? in PNWA and Oh yeah. Uh, Who was your main memoir other teacher? Writers. Uh Anna Maria Spagna. Oh, um, I don't know her. Oh. She, she uh yeah. ha- is she in she Seattle? She actually lives in Stahican. She lives in Stahican. Oh. What? <laughs> but I what? didn't a memoir I teacher didn't get in to know her. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. My God. Uh, oh my but she's God. a, a 80 people, very accomplished one memoir teacher. Right, right. right. So all right, so she was your, oh, well that was nice. So you had a you had someone right there to help you out. Well, no, I didn't because while I was living in Stahican, she was going to Northern Arizona University for a masters in writing. Uh, oh, oh, and, oh. And then in the summers she would come back to Stahican and she worked in the backcountry trail crew and I was working at the bakery in Stahican, so we never really got to know oh. each other until oh. after I left and and I was getting more serious about writing and 
we reconnected in that way, and she oh, was starting to do some teaching. Yeah, yeah. So look oh, her up, S-T-A-G-N-A, Anna Maria Spagna. Maybe I have her on this show. Essayist. Yes, oh, you should. I do a little, oh, well, that's my, that's my thing, the essay. All right, well, uh, listen, Iris, congratulations on the book. Uh, I hope there's more coming. Uh, but I'm not ready to let you go just yet. You said you like to listen to this show, so you probably know what's coming. I hope you haven't prepared an answer. I hope you're just going to be spontaneous. But finish the sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Uh, To listen to myself. Uh, Yeah. yeah. To listen to myself and and to trust that um, if I attend to... um, you know, what I, I'm feeling compelled to say that, you know, I'll be able to figure out how how to do that. That's great advice. Yeah, that you just trust that if you stay focused on something, you will figure it out. You'll, you will always. Yeah. That's such good. It's such You know what the interesting thing, Iris? I, I tell my students this, and I've thought about it for myself. Writing actually can be simple if you let it be, if all you're doing is writing. If you're not sitting down mm-hmm. and trying to prove you're good enough, that you're smart enough mm. or figuring out how to make a living. If you allow yourself to just say, what do I want to say and have I said it? You can actually make it simple. It doesn't mean it's always going to come fast, but it doesn't right. have to be complicated, does it? No, no, it doesn't. And you're right. So. It, for, for all but a very few, it, it uh, doesn't come fast either, like you said. Right. Um, Not always, no. Most good things take time, don't they? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Iris, I'm so glad we got you on this show. Congratulations Thank on the you. book. And Thanks for I, I hope... uh, inviting me to the show. It was a treat. Oh. oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I hope there's another book coming. I hope you're hard at work on another one. I am, actually, a collection of essays about the Salish Excellent. Sea. Excellent. Okay. Well, I look forward to that. Thank you. All right, Iris. And I Thank look you forward to your work, too, and, and good luck with the uh, upcoming um, – conference oh thank you yeah that'll be a lot of fun it'll be a lot of fun i hope i see you there you might you just might (laughs) okay all right take it easy iris thanks you too bill bye-bye yes people trust what do you want to say have you said it just trust get interested in something get interested in something and let your interest teach you how to say it that's how it works it's beautiful it's so simple if you let it if you let it be simple All right, everybody, I'm going to be back next week. Oh, guess who my guest next week is? Hallie Efron. Yes, one of the Efron sisters. That'll be a lot of fun. She'll be on the show. Uh, Until then, thank you to my fabulous producer, R.J. Jeffries. And everybody, go out there, find something you love.